0: Welcome to Beyond the Frontline, Lessons from Healthcare Leaders podcast. This season, we are discussing the realities of healthcare leadership during a crisis. We are your hosts, Dr. Linya Yang and Dr. Shanita Johnson. Let's dive in. switching gears a little bit since you've taken a different role, um, since those times as it is, um, well, I should say in this past year, um, you transitioned over from doing a lot of academic, uh, medicine over at NYU, um, over to more, of pharma, uh, with, um, Johnson and Johnson. So can you tell us a little bit more, because I'm sure many physicians are curious, um, as to how to do it and what kind of drove you to make that decision, to make that change?
1: Uh, sure. So uh, uh, it's actually not limited to a pharma role, but rather a broader industry role. So our group, uh, uh, as you mentioned, that is uh, under the J&J banner, we're called the Lung Cancer Initiative and uh, basically with a very aspirational goal of uh, um, eradicating lung cancer. Um, now getting there obviously is the the hard task and that's what uh, a lot of people are putting uh, Hard work and effort towards achieving that. So, uh, our group functions in a multi sector manner. So, we have uh, collaboration with the uh, pharma arm and with the med device arm. And we function as uh, a research and development uh, organization for uh, data generation and a proof of concept for uh, a lot of what is being studied in, in uh, this field of lung cancer. The question about uh, making that transition and Um, why. Um, It's basically the um, really being drawn to the the broader mission of the group and uh, the fact that in my clinical practice, uh, uh, I had uh, a lot of uh, experience with uh, lung cancer patients, usually on the front end with making the diagnosis and with uh, uh, providing um, the uh, uh, procedural needs for Getting an accurate diagnosis, uh, characterizing potential recurrences, and also helping in, in certain cases where a need for an airway intervention was uh, necessary. Uh, but you're working, you know, with uh, uh, one patient at a time, which is uh, obviously um, how we uh, do things in clinical medicine. Here, it's the opportunity to work with, uh, um, you know, a broader a mandate and to have uh, a much bigger influence on the uh, lung cancer, um, on lung cancer management in general. So that was one of the, the major appeals. And uh, with that, obviously, um, you know, you need uh, a team to make that happen. Uh, it's uh, usually the the team that you work with uh, that makes all the difference. And, and those are one of the uh, Um, uh, important factors in in making such decision is uh, assessing, um, you know, the the expertise of of people that are uh, working on achieving that uh, in the lung cancer initiative. So from from that perspective, you know, the ability to um, study more and be on the forefront of um, designing uh, trials that could potentially have a huge impact on lung cancer in general, uh, being able to be on the forefront of assessing new technology that might arise in that field or the combination of technology in terms of medical devices and uh, pharmaceuticals in, uh, in making a difference and moving that needle towards uh, better management and eventually eradication of lung cancer um, were uh, the main driving points behind making that decision uh, uh, to take this, uh, uh, to take this position.
0: That's, it sounds like, you know, you put in a lot of thought, you looked at the teams, um, you looked at the opportunities and everything, um, at this point. So is there any advice you would give to somebody who maybe not necessarily in the lung cancer and the pulmonary, but what kind of advice would you kind of give to maybe someone who might be considering something similar?
1: Uh, yeah, to to your point, uh, you know, this applies to that move in general, regardless of uh, which area you're working in. Uh, I think you know, there's uh, uh, definitely uh, uh, a need to uh, to be very meticulous in assessing what you're leaving behind and what you like to achieve, and um, looking at uh, you know, getting an advice. Uh, from people who had made similar moves talking to uh, as many people um, and in both ends, you know, both on the industry side and academia side and, uh, and see what the uh, potential uh, for such move would be. Um, I would say definitely uh, do your homework, uh, read about it, uh, attend courses about it. Uh, Fortunately, right now, there's a lot of, uh, um, knowledge about this uh, subject. And you see um, a lot of the uh, professional uh, medical societies and, and such that uh, uh, would now offer um, these uh, seminars on, uh, um, you know, working in, in healthcare industry, whether that's in med tech or in pharma or in other areas. So I think, you know, there's uh, a lot of avenues right now for Physicians and other healthcare providers to um, get the information that's needed. Um, but certainly, you know, gather as much information as uh, uh, possibly could um, and perhaps, you know, get some flavor for um, what it looks like uh, being on that setting. So I think, you know, there's a lot of opportunities to do uh, consulting work, for instance, and that would be complementary to the clinical practice that one is doing. And that might give people uh, a flavor for what a full-time job uh, might look like if one chooses to to make that transition. Um, So certainly uh, seek those opportunities to learn more and uh, uh, talk to people about uh, their experiences, uh, uh, the positives and the negatives, and the sum of all of that, because certainly Uh, people who have made that transition are uh, definitely most capable of uh, uh, giving sound advice on that.
2: Dr. Rafek, you have continued your clinical practice as well. Even though you've made the move into pharma, you thought it was important to keep some clinical practice um, aspect going. Could you tell us a little bit about that part of your decision and why that was so important to you?
1: Um, Yeah, to to a certain degree, definitely, you know, keeping uh, a a clinical practice. uh, I think it's important for uh, multiple reasons. One is uh, uh, it keeps uh, the person and, you know, myself in this case, uh, um, updated on uh, clinical and procedural skills. Um, And that is an advantage to the job that one is doing. Um, on the industry side, uh, whether pharma, or med device, or, or other, because uh, um, you're being chosen for those positions usually for uh, the type of clinical uh, experience and expertise that you bring to the job. So, keeping those skills up to date is very important because um, um, you know you continue to provide um, the um, uh, the advice or the, uh, you know, the, the skills that are needed to complete your job based on uh, what you're practicing in, uh, in real time in an updated fashion, as opposed to something dated to many years back. Um, so that's uh, one aspect. The, the second part, and I speak here for myself, but I think a lot of my colleagues would share the same sentiment, is that, you know, we all uh, uh, chose the medical field for Different reasons, but one of the main reasons is the ability to interact with our patients, uh, their families, and uh, uh, to try to uh, make a difference in their um, course of uh, uh, treatment or management. And um, that's something that is hard to take away, even if you uh, move to other areas. So it, it keeps that uh, relationship going and. Um, um, it's, uh, uh, there's a lot of, uh, uh, you get a lot of gratification or at least I get a lot of gratification from, uh, from being able to do that and, uh, the privilege to care for patients and their families. Um, so those are the two main things that, uh, for me were important as I, um, chose to, uh, maintain a certain degree of clinical practice, uh, incorporated into my new role.
2: I think it's wonderful that you're able to still interact and make an impact one-on-one with your patients and then also on this macro level where you're looking at clinical trials in ways that will impact multiple patients um, all at once. But I have to ask, how did you convince administration to allow you to do this?
1: Uh, That was actually a uh, uh, a fairly, uh, you know, straightforward process because I was fortunate to have, uh, um, you know, my uh, uh, managers or my chiefs on both ends be very supportive of that move. And uh, they, uh, they both uh, understood and appreciated the importance of maintaining uh, that degree of clinical practice. So um, I think that made it easier for me because uh, I did not have to justify any of that. Um I would imagine that sometimes, uh, you know, uh, there might be some some difficulty in, in convincing people uh, about that. Uh, but I think, you know, I presented it to them the, exactly the way I described it in your previous uh, question uh, about the importance of continuing to do that. And, um, you know, clearly, again, when uh, you're looking at it from a, a manager perspective, you know, you want your uh expert clinician who's brought into this role to continue to have uh, up-to-date skills. On the other side, you know, you, um, you have now, uh, from the, the academic side, you now have uh, ways to uh, further, uh, you know, increase the collaboration that you have with partners on the industry side. So it serves towards the long-term mission of uh, uh, expanding uh, uh, research and uh, clinical capabilities. So when you look at it that way, I think, you know, people would uh, come to the conclusion that it's, uh, um, it's a win-win situation. And uh, again, fortunately, uh, uh, I did not have to, to justify that, but uh, that's the rationale behind it.
2: It sounds like you managed up very well. I hope so. It definitely does.
0: And I think it's, you know, it's great that you are able to bring that perspective, you know, bringing the academia back into like the clinical trial aspect of it. I think that's going to be a crucial part that will help to influence both components of it. In your career and your multiple areas that you've kind of now worked in, is there anything that you would have done differently if you could have told yourself, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, that you would have done, you know, whether when you graduated from fellowship over into your newest roles, is there anything, yeah, that you would say, I wish I'd done this earlier, later um, in your career? Uh,
1: That's a great question. I think, you know, when, um, you're transitioning into a new role, whether from fellowship to uh, uh, staff or uh, faculty uh, physician, or um, you're ascending the ladder of leadership, or uh, moving from you know one area to another. You know, you're always going to be the the new person on a team, no matter how much experience you had before in your in your previous roles. And you know, sometimes that might uh, feel a little bit uh, uh, intimidating. Sometimes you feel that. Uh, you know, you're still uh, too junior or, or not as experienced to weigh in on, uh, um, you know, on certain uh, uh, questions that you might actually have uh, good ideas for. So, uh, you know, I would say that uh, uh, if given the opportunity. Looking back in retrospect, and you know, definitely uh, uh, speaking up more, you know, especially if you have something good to say, and not uh, shying away from doing that just because you know you're you're still junior or you're still learning or you don't have as much experience as everyone else that uh, might be there in, in that meeting or in that discussion. Um, so sharing your, your thoughts and, and opinions in, uh, in an appropriate and right timing manner is actually uh, um, uh, something that I would uh, think would, uh, uh, would do a better job in.
0: Absolutely. And I think, you know, um, that's, it's a great way what you just kind of said about like, you do have to speak up. And so kind of coming to, I guess, our last question, um, what skills would you recommend physicians um, and healthcare leaders to make them much more marketable? Um, Kind of like maybe just a little bit more about kind of like some advice um, that you would kind of give.
1: So I think uh, having some formal training uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a formal degree but some uh, some type of formal training in management in general and uh, uh leadership in healthcare field is definitely uh, uh an important skill to have uh, the reason i say that is uh, a lot of us myself included uh, when we decided to go into the medical field uh, um, you know, you feel that uh, you're choosing a pathway that's associated uh, from, you know, management or, or business or whatnot, but you come to realize that uh, um, a lot of those uh, fields are interwined and those skills are necessary and, and actually it makes you a better um, physician makes you a better clinician and uh, um, you can then, you know, use those skills even to um, uh, help your patients in a, in a better way and your colleagues in a better way. So uh, having that uh, formal uh, training of sorts, or even a, a, an official degree in, uh, and, and you can name it the way you want, it could be uh, an MBA in healthcare management, it could be, uh, 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 you know, an MHA degree, it could be a, a course in uh, uh, the, the business aspects of, uh, of uh, the medical field. But I think it's, uh, it all leads to the same uh, uh, endpoint, which is really developing those skills to give you the tools to be uh, an effective leader and uh, to run a practice uh, effectively, um, to you know, uh, um, uh, be able to um, uh, think in a way that's outside the box and to embrace uh, um, innovation uh, that would uh, uh, would hope would have a positive effect on the, uh, the outcome that you're trying to achieve.
0: So we deeply appreciate you taking a large portion of your time um, to discuss with us um, your perspectives. So tell us, what's the best way for our audience members to outreach to you if they would like to do so?
1: Um I'm available on, uh, uh, you know, LinkedIn or Twitter or, uh, you know, via email. So uh, uh, would welcome any uh, uh, questions or connections or comments that uh, people might have uh, through any of those mediums, and we'll be happy to uh, engage in any discussions that might arise. And uh, I would uh, like to uh, both thank you, uh, Dr. Yang, Dr. Johnson, for. Uh, organizing uh, this podcast and for giving me the opportunity to share my perspective and uh, uh, my uh, experience. Uh, I know we covered different subjects here, but uh, uh, grateful for the opportunity. So thank you so much.
2: Thank you for joining us on this podcast, Beyond the Frontline Lessons from Healthcare Leaders. Please like, share, and subscribe. If you like this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Health Leadership Brain Trust, and let us know if you have any topics that you would like to hear about on future podcasts. See you next episode.